The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sunday morning, I woke up early to catch the U.S. women's national soccer team playing Sweden in the World Cup. If those last few minutes of the game are still a painful memory for you, too, you might just want to skip ahead. But in case you didn't watch and you want to know what happened, here's a quick recap. You know, the U.S. played well, in all honesty. They, they, they played so much better than they did in the group stage, but they couldn't score. Steve Goff covers soccer for The Post, and he's been in Australia and New Zealand covering the World Cup. So he saw this brutal game up close. The goalkeeper for Sweden was phenomenal. U.S. had chance after chance after chance, denied. Uh, game went through 90 minutes of regulation. It went through 30 minutes of extra time. Uh, and then it went on to a penalty kick shootout. People say baseball's a game of inches. Turns out soccer is a game of millimeters. And so the U.S. was in position to win it, and then it came down to Sweden scoring on their seventh attempt. A listen there, the U.S. goalkeeper made the initial save, but the ball was still alive. It floated up in the air. She reached back, slapped it. It seemed as though she had prevented the goal, but video replay showed it across the line by maybe a millimeter. And that was it. That was it. It was over. I never seen that in all my years covering soccer in a penalty kick for the game to end that way uh, on such a, 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 just a bizarre, surreal sequence. So the U.S. women's team is toast. They didn't even make it to the quarterfinals after being the favorites to win the whole thing. And today we're asking ourselves and our soccer reporter, Steve Goff, what happened? From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Jeff Edgers. I'm your guest host today. It's Monday, August 7th. Today, was this just a bad tournament for the U.S., or is the field forever changed? We'll talk about all of that and what to watch for next as the World Cup continues. Okay, Steve, catch our listeners up on what's been happening in case they haven't been following the World Cup. Well, the Women's World Cup has been going on for the past couple of weeks here in Australia and New Zealand. U.S. came in as, if not the favorite, one of the favorites. You know, they struggled in the first few games and they were knocked out in a penalty kick shootout after a 0-0 tie. You know, it's, uh, it's a tough way to lose. So um, you were there... We weren't, we were just horrified. <laughs> and, and it was, uh, I mean, these last moments of, the, of that game, explain them to me, what it was like. It, it seems surreal from where, where I was watching. Yeah, I mean, in penalty kicks, there's always high drama, there's tension. You know, it's unfair when, when people who aren't too familiar with soccer call it like a free throw shooting contest. It's far from that. 
you have to have incredible nerve to step up. And, you know, when you're shooting free throws, no one's blocking the shot. You're facing a goalkeeper. You know, all eyes are on you. It's tough. They were favored to win it all. They won the last two World Cups. Uh, is it surprising that they were knocked out so early? Absolutely. They had never lost in a World Cup before the semifinals. Now, in context, the women's game is getting better. The competition is stiffer. I mean, it's, it's always been... You know, it's always been a challenge in the late rounds of a World Cup for the U.S. team, no matter who they were playing. But now you're getting teams that are um, formidable and and they can compete. Now, Sweden Sweden's always been good, so that they're in a separate category. But in general, this World Cup has been really a breakthrough. Um, you know, you saw teams like Germany and Brazil not even advancing out of the group stage. Um, so for the U.S. not to win, is it a is it a shock? I wouldn't say it's a shock. This is a younger U.S. team. So um, a surprise that they went out so early, no doubt. You'd think this team would get to the semifinals at least again. It was a very emotional team after the final whistle. Um, you know, to get knocked out of the World Cup is is a severe blow emotionally. And 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 they they showed it with tears flowing and uh, the expressions of, of, of sadness and disappointment when they spoke to reporters after the match. You tell me, what happened here? Why did the U.S. underperform? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, they, every game was a little bit different. Um, you know, they didn't finish their chances in the first game, although they won easily against Vietnam. It was kind of a harbinger of things to come because they only scored one goal in the last three games. So... Certainly their finishing wasn't good enough. The chemistry was a little off. Um, you know, they just, everything was difficult. It was like a slog for those second and third group games. Over the years, they've always found a way to win. Even when they weren't at their best, they found ways. And partly that was through their mentality. Now, I don't think their mentality changed in, in this tournament. But, you know, um, other teams have learned and grown themselves. And they believe they can win. They believe they can beat the U.S. team. Sweden's done it in the past in major tournaments. So um, for the U.S. to face Sweden this early in the knockout stage was was a challenge. So Megan Rapino, obviously uh, the most famous person on this team, kind of the Michael Jordan of, of the team. And I say that because I'm thinking after watching this sort of Washington Wizards version. But tell us a little bit about her and, and, and what, you, what you saw out there. Well, Rapino's impact on you know, U.S. soccer and global soccer was immense on and off the field. She was at the forefront off the field of leading the efforts for pay equity and the rights of female players who have long been neglected by the, the leaders of the sport worldwide, by FIFA, the sports governing body, by the U.S. Soccer Federation, the domestic governing body. She led the fight, and her impact is immeasurable off the field, both in soccer and in society. On the field, fantastic player for many years, sending in beautiful crosses, um, you know, taking on defenders, un her unpredictability at her peak, she was uh, she was one of the best ever in, in U.S. history. She'd be 
you know, she'd be in that top five group um, of, of all-time U.S. players. But, you know, her, her talents faded as they do with almost all athletes as they get later in their careers. And it's a little, a little surprising that, that the coach, Flacco Andonovsky, went to her in three of the four games. Um, you know, he's got some young talent on the bench, and he chose Rapino, and she was put on the spot in a few games and, and didn't perform well. And uh, to see her miss that penalty kick in the shootout, unfortunately, that's the way she will be remembered in this tournament, but certainly not for her career, which was um, glorious to watch and helped the U.S. win um, a gold medal in the Olympics and two World Cups. When you lose so badly and it's so devastating, people tend to look at the coach. What can you tell us about this guy, Vladko Andonovsky, and whether this might be sort of the end of his tenure here? Yeah, I, I imagine he's done. Um, all that really matters when you're the coach of the U.S. women's national soccer team is to win trophies or at least compete for trophies in the championship game. There are two major competitions in women's soccer internationally, the Olympics and the World Cup. Two years ago in the Olympics, they lost in the semifinals to Canada. They ended up winning the bronze medal, but for the U.S., that's that's failure. Um, so... Now you go into the World Cup, high expectations again. They're out in the round of 16. It's hard to see him survive this um, and receive a new contract. His, his current deal expires later this year. I imagine they'll go through the evaluation process in the coming weeks and, and make a change. You know, he can win all the exhibitions and, and friendlies, as they're called in soccer, that he wants and, and, and all the little week-long tournaments that they're involved in over the course of, of, uh, of the year. But you got to win the big tournaments, and they failed to do that. After the match, Vlako Landonovsky, the U.S. coach, entered the press conference and you know, shared his great disappointment, sadness in being eliminated uh, so early in this, in this tournament. So personally, first uh, for me, I never coached uh, to save my job. I always, uh, I always uh, came in uh, to do my job, to prepare this team, to to represent the country in the pos- best possible manner. I think the players generally like him. Um, he he brought in, introduced a lot of new players. Um, but at the end of the day, you gotta if you're the U.S. coach, you gotta win, and and he did not come close to doing that in either of the major tournaments. So tell me, where does this team go from here? How, how do you rebound from an upset like this? Yeah, I mean, there were gonna, there was going to be change, um, you know, regardless of how, uh, what the outcome was in this tournament. Um, you know, Rapino announced before the tournament that, that she's retiring this fall from soccer, both for the national team and her, her professional team in, in Seattle. Um, so she's out. Becky Sauerbrunn, the long, uh, the the captain, the defender who missed the tournament with injury. She's getting older. She's probably done. Julie Ertz, uh, stalwart on the on the defense, you know, says this was her last tournament. Um, so there are players who were, were on their way out, no matter how the U.S. performed. Um, and you know, it's a you go through these cycles. Um, new players come in and. They got an Olympics now to prepare for, a year from now. 
Um, you know, and after after failing to to win anything at the past two tournaments, you know, it's going to be great urgency to win a gold medal in in Paris. Um, certainly, the the pieces are there, and they got to make a decision soon on who's going to lead the way from a coaching standpoint, and perhaps um, implement some changes and um, some different ideas. After the break, we talk about some of the other teams on the rise at this World Cup and what you should watch for next. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, you know, our colleague Emily Giambalvo wrote a piece for The Post about the increasing parity in women's soccer. The U.S. is just dominated women's soccer for a long time, but basically everyone is getting better, it seems like. How much of the story of this World Cup is about the U.S. team underperforming versus the rest of the world just finally catching up? Yeah, it's a combination of things, certainly. Um, You know, I think the U.S. remains a world-class program and, and a contender to win championships. And now England takes the game very seriously. You know, a lot of these federations around the world, particularly in traditional soccer-playing European countries, they're finally paying attention to their women's teams. They're, you know, they're investing in them. They're, they're, they're spending money. They're, they're, um, you're seeing that start to pay off. So teams like Netherlands, France, England, Spain, even Portugal, they're, they're on the rise. And so the U.S. Uh, is, is, has never been alone near the top, but now there's more teams in that second layer rising, and that's where they're getting, that's where they're getting some more difficult matches. So we talked about some of the players who didn't live up to what we were hoping for, and I, I'm wondering, when we look at players who, uh, the younger players on this team, players who were, maybe didn't perform as well as they could have this World Cup, or maybe didn't get the time they should have had. Give us a little something to feel hope about. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw several young players in their first World Cup uh, start several or all the games. This team has a bright future. Uh, and uh, this experience, I know, even though it didn't end, uh, end up the way we wanted, it's huge experience uh, for some of these young players. There's a, there's a group of players here that will make a, uh, make a mark in the future. Sophia Smith, she's 22 years old, scored a couple goals in the, in the opener, the group opener against Vietnam. A phenomenal talent. Um, she didn't score after the first game, and, and you know she could have won the penalty, won the shootout with her penalty kick um, in the fifth round, and she missed. And, and that's just, that's just a, a devastating, devastating miss. Um, but, you know, uh, a fantastic player. Trinity Rodman plays for the Washington Spirit. 
she started three of the four games. She's 21 years old. She was dangerous um, in the, the match against Sweden. Fun player to watch, fast and unpredictable. Um, you know, uh, Naomi Gurma, a center back. She's 23, I think. Um, she is a... She'll have a, a a long future with this with this team, um, you know. And then there were some other players like you know Emily Fox at the outside back, um, and midfielders like Lindsey Haran's a veteran player who who will will still stick around and has has several year, good years ahead of her. Um, but then there were players we didn't really see much of in this tournament because Vlako Andonovsky went with some veterans. So like Alyssa Thompson, who's she's 18 years old. She just graduated from high school. We figured we'd see a little bit more of her. Uh, we did not. She's a fast winger, ex- another exciting player. But, you know, Andonovsky went with the with the the proven veteran in, in Rapino in uh, substitution situations. Um, Ashley Sanchez, an attacking midfielder, young player from the Washington Spirit, we thought we'd see her in this tournament. We didn't. Um, so, you know, the players are there. They weren't fully utilized in this tournament. Um, and, you know, the U.S. program has always produced strong, young talent. Um, it, it's, it's certainly out there. But the emphasis on player development has to accelerate because we're seeing it happen not just in Europe, um, but in South America, which has long neglected women's soccer. Um, you know, Colombia has an 18-year-old who's, who's uh, Linda Caicedo, who's amazing, one of the best players in the world now. Um, so that's going to be an issue going forward with the U.S. soccer program as a whole. So it takes me about, I don't know how much time you need when my team loses. I need about four hours, sometimes a night's sleep. But then I'm back at it. And this tournament is far from over. We've got a lot of soccer left to see. So tell us, which teams are you going to be watching closely at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the favorite is Japan. And that's the team the U.S. would have faced if they had, had beaten Sweden. Um, Japan, I think, uh, has been the most technically graceful and efficient and just overall uh, shown their excellence. I think they'll be a favorite against Sweden, although, of course, Sweden's a tough team to play against. Fun team to watch, Japan. It's, uh, it's, it's all about uh, teamwork and, and player movement and ball movement. Um, it's really a, been a joy to watch. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you're looking at um, a high-powered Spain team that's involved. Australia is at home, so certainly they're, they're riding the emotion. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a wide-open tournament at this point. Um, I think you're going to see the possibility of some upsets. You know, like Jamaica has made a great run in this tournament. South Africa did. They got knocked out in the round of 16. Um, Morocco is, has been in the mix, surprisingly. Um, so some really good competitive games. But, I, you know, I think... In the end, um, you know, you're going to see the, the, some of the old um, uh, traditional powers um, rise to the top um, by, the, by the final on, uh, on August uh, 20th. Stephen Goff, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. 
Stephen Goff covers soccer for The Post. And that's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Lucas Trevor and Eliza Dennis. It was mixed by Sean Carter. It was edited by Maggie Penman. If you want to show your support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do. Go to WashingtonPost.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Jeff Edgers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.